This week on Pilot Co-Pilots, we have actor Michael Potts and discuss CBS's Rush Hour with J.D. Amato. Welcome to another episode of Pilot Co-Pilots, where each episode we talk to TV industry guests and take you on a guided tour through the pilot episode of one of the season's newest shows. That's right. We treat each new series like pics on our Instagram feed. We'll scroll through a lot of garbage to find something that catches our eye. Mm-hmm. I'm scrolling through that poorly lit picture of the dinner you made. <laughs> I'm doing it. It's going past me. I'm, I'm scrolling. scrolling past through really anything that has uh, a, a script or font. I'm not. I, I'm, it's Instagram. I'm not reading. <laughs> no, don't read. Don't read. You know what I am stopping on? If you take a picture of you and your grandma, I'm I'm stopping and I'm looking yeah, for a while. Yeah, that's cute. And. I pretty much just stop for pictures of fat Rob Kardashian. <laughs> There's no shame in that. Hey, you know what? I know he's working hard to get down. Well, so. he's doing something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Maya Boudreaux. And I'm Evan Watkins. And as we mentioned, today we discuss the new show Rush Hour with mm-hmm. J.D. Amato, showrunner of The Chris Gethard Show. And then in the second half of the podcast, we talk to Michael Potts, best known as Brother Mazone from The Wire and from the first season of True Detective. And that's mm-hmm. another interview from the National Opera Center when we were in New York. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, let's do it. Yeah, let's get to it. We're here with J.D. Amato. He is director and the executive producer of uh, The Chris Gathard Show on Fusion. Thanks for joining us, J.D. Thank you for having me, guys. I'm of very course. happy to be here. J.D. is also my... Uh, old roommate during college yes we were roommates in college which <laughs> feels like a type of a stereotype of relationship well it like it's, feel- a, it's a very known category of my roommate in college yeah much like the old good cop bad cop trope right which is <laughs> yes. rush hour which we're talking about way to tie it together well yes. you know i try um so today we watched rush hour cbs's new uh action yeah comedy show yeah i think you're right to put a question mark in that (laughs) um i'm gonna read the log line okay just so it's out there all right rush hour a stoic by the book hong kong police officer is assigned to a case in los angeles where he's forced to work with a cocky african-american lapd officer who has no interest in a partner so they're just putting the race thing right out there in in the log line well, and also I think that the thing that needs to be noted up top for those who don't realize, because 100% you could have people listening to your podcast that were not alive when the source material for this pilot came out, which That's was true. the Brett Ratner film Rush Hour, starring Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker, that came out in 1998. Uh, that That's seems like wild. so long ago. That's insane. I mean, I yeah, I remember when it came out. I, I mean, I, I guess I was 10. But I, it, but then it was a franchise, so like it continued throughout my right. childhood. Um, yeah, so Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker are in the original, and they got two people to do impressions of them. <laughs> I, but that, oh. oh, that's tough casting. <laughs> I mean, you're no, you're going in knowing that you're expected to do a certain mm-hmm. thing. Rush Hour was a huge success because it took Jackie Chan, who was like famous mm-hmm. Hong Kong action star, who made the jump to American movies. And was doing this amazing 
action stuff. It was like action comedy, but had like had never been done before. Mm-hmm. And then the whole His idea timing was great, and he was exactly hilarious. yeah, he was amazing. And then pairing him with Chris Tucker, who was like a lot more loose improv mm-hmm. charisma Ra- comedy, Ra- and kind sort of, of yeah. just like one of a kind. Like there is one Chris Tucker. It's a thing when you you know it when you see it. And that's what makes it so tough with this guy because he's really trying to sort of do that. Chris yeah, Tucker I feel thing. like his first scene, his first line, I was like, "Oh, you're the doing cadence, a Chris Tucker impression a little bit." The cadence and the delivery. Well, that's why. That's why the whole the the impetus of the project. Like I, when you text me, and you're like, "Hey, we're gonna watch Rush Hour." It blew my mind because <laughs> you can't. You can't, when you remake something, the idea is that you're remaking it because the concept, the premise of it is so interesting that there's more to be mined there and that Uh there's a way to update it for modern audiences. But Rush Hour, the thing that was interesting wasn't the premise. The premise was the oldest good cop, bad cop. Uh Hey, here's these two mis... It was Lethal Weapon. It was every cop show that came out in the 80s. It's the odd couple, but police version. And what was unique about it... Was that it was Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker. So to remake it and to be like, we're going to capture what was great about Rush Hour. What was great was Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker. That was it. (laughs) So to take everything but those two elements is literally an insane person's endeavor. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, which also I must say the odd couple is on CBS. Really? Yeah, season two. Is oh my god, April seventh. Oh it got so. another season. Yeah, it did. Wow. So, so I think they're trying to ride that train. It's probably going to be on this. I think this is going to be on Thursday nights. This will probably be on right after or something. You know. So I'm curious to hear what your guys' initial impressions of this are because, like, five minutes in, I had this thought that I couldn't shake that I'll tell you in a second <laughs> of what this was, and I want to hear what you guys thought because now I've forced you to watch this twice. Yeah. Because I forgot to watch it before <laughs> Maya and Evan came over, mm-hmm. and so. Yeah. They had to sit here and watch Second the entire thing was... through. I will say this. I I had wine with me the first time and I was in <laughs> my own me. home and it was like late at night and I had the volume we had the volume up really loud and I really enjoyed it. The first time around I was like, "Oh, this is totally watchable." Like uh it's action packed and it's the, I I must say the stunts were not terrible. Like I think the action sequences and it's shot really pretty well. Like a, like an action movie. Um, I first viewing appreciated the youth, the like energy. People seemed happy to be there. They were like, you got that they were happy to have this job. Like they were mm-hmm. so excited to have this yeah big break. Especially These are the young actors, actors yeah. you know the two main guys. I mean, I think that what uh, I didn't write down the actors' Which actual one? names. Uh, John Fu plays John Detective Fu, Lee. I appreciate seeing that much martial arts on TV. It excited me. I love it. I could kind of watch that kind of thing forever. So I did connect with that. That all said, the second viewing was a completely different. different. Yeah, it was somehow harder. I don't know why. Maybe it's the daylight, the harsh day, the harsh daylight yeah, of it all. This Saturday afternoon. Yeah, it's different well, than Okay, a, so go ahead, JD. I mean, what... Uh, to, yeah, okay. <laughs> To me, it felt like if you described to aliens the movie Rush Hour <laughs> and then they came down to Earth and made it and didn't quite get what was special about it and oh. then just pushed it through. And then I realized, no, it's not aliens. It would be something more like, oh, CBS. Mm-hmm. It yeah. felt like well, yeah. if someone at CBS got the script to Rush Hour and had never seen the movie, had no idea what it was based on, mm-hmm. and then just made it. 
uh, the creators of the TV show, which, I mean, are you really creating anything? It's uh, this guy, Blake McCormick, who was a producer on Mad Men, and Bill Lawrence, who created Scrubs, oh, yeah. Cougar Town, um, and Spin City, mm-hmm. and uh, like used to write for Friends and The Nanny and stuff. These are like network, you know, producers, content creators. This is their summer home. <laughs> this is all that is. It has to be. And I, I even texted Emma, uh, Evan before this. We were texting about doing this podcast, and I was like, hey, just so you know, like, I don't like saying bad things about TV shows or movies publicly because, like, I work in that industry, and, like, I work with a lot of people that work on shows like this and stuff like that, and, you know, my rule of thumb is, like, I know how hard it is to make stuff Mm -hmm. and how much work goes into it and how many things behind the scenes uh, complicate the process, but then things like this make me actually mad. (laughs) See, I... I because I enjoyed the first viewing, I'm just going to stick by that. Like, it did make me feel things like... Okay, wait, though. Neither of us have actually seen Rush Hour, the movie. What? <laughs> wait, what? I have. Long time have ago. Have you, though? Because Evan yes. sometimes says that he has watched movies when I feel I like maybe he's just walked 10. in when his brothers were watching. No, Evan. I watched Evan. when I was 10. What? But I don't remember it. I feel like I've just been completely no, bamboozled no, no, by no, you guys. no, no, no. This is but honestly wait, messed up. This is what wait. scares me about this, is that you guys are going, but as the we audience, actually liked this. But as the audience for this, just people who have seen no, Rush Hour? I think not at all. I think not at all. <laughs> this this the, is my nightmare. The audience is people who watch CBS, which I think it will fulfill their every need. I'm going to say this. Evan, we haven't seen each other in a long time. Uh-oh. And what this feels like, honestly. I feel like I really threw you under the bus there, but I feel like that's why we probably I've had a different. I've seen Rush Hour. Just, I was 10 years old and I don't really remember. But I remember oh, Jackie no. Chan. No, what I remember oh, no. is Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker's amazing chemistry. And that's really, like you said, all the movie is. I don't remember the plot. This feels like. I haven't seen you in a while. And you're like, hey, let's catch up, man. Uh, what are you up to? And then I'm like, we're talking. And then you're like, yeah, also, I found this really great thing. It's called the Church of Scientology. Like, <laughs> you get into it, like, oh, I've been meaning to speak with you, JD. Also, uh, we're into that org. Oh, <laughs> into the org. I feel, like, org. I feel like something. Is Rush Hour in the canon of like things that we should see? Rush Hour. Okay, so Rush Hour is Now the, I want to rewatch it. It's the quintessential fun 90s action comedy Mm -hmm. it just is Mm -hmm. it's the kind of movie that like now you'd probably watch it and feel like it's played out Mm -hmm. and like out of touch but that's because it was the thing that created that it was brett ratner who for all of his flaws and all of his weaknesses in culture and whatnot was the sort of king of making these like popcorn action comedy like that type of aesthetic that was his thing well i even feel like when i was watching it i was like oh i've seen that joke before like yeah. In the like in rush hour, or you know the same buddy cop kind of right, uh, but it didn't make me enjoy them any less. But uh, oh no, <laughs> see, because to me, what this feels like is, I mean, also, I we have to. I'm so bothered by the amount of remakes and reboots. Yeah, because yeah. It, it's yeah, you know, everyone's always like, well, you know, there's only a certain amount of stories to be told, and you know, uh, the Odyssey is actually the base, and it's like, like, yeah, no, 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 what you're doing. <laughs> Is just retelling the exact same with the exact specificity, exactly characters. Just yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Totally. And this to me represents what is worst about it, which is <laughs> it's not because usually it's taking something that's interesting and 
modernizing it yeah. or or re reintroducing uh, a generation or a new audience to that thing. What they did here is they took something interesting and special. And I, it sounds like I'm a diehard for Rush Hour. I'm not. But they took away all of the elements that were interesting and good yeah. about it and just left like just left like the the, the bones, yeah. Yeah, the foundation, the concrete dimension. steel. Well, even yeah. saying that, there was at one point in the episode where Detective Carter s- complains about someone using his daytime minutes. And I'm like, that must be stolen from 1998. When is the last time that anyone had nighttime and daytime minutes that's insane like yeah. uh there's just like there were other, there were a couple jokes that were like i felt like dated and old but and i'd be interested to hear what order they shot this in because there are some scenes where it feels like um hires is doing a chris tucker impression just straight up an impression yeah, of him. yeah. especially the first that first time you see him on, yeah. on screen yeah and then there's times where it feels like he's finding his own character a little bit uh-huh, in a way that yeah. i was like that's yeah. If I were gonna make this, it would be you find two people that are equally as engaging, mm-hmm. enigmatic, and yeah. interesting as uh, Jackie Chan, and Chris Tucker, and you just find two new people that fit that. Right. Instead, they said, "Yeah, we just want impressions. We right, want right. two impressions." Right. And I think they also misinterpreted what was interesting about the original Rush Hour, which was it was not that like one guy is by the books and he just does it this way and the other guy is goofy and fun mm-hmm. and is crazy. What it was was that like Jackie Chan's character w- like was a super serious dude, but then he did outrageous stuff and didn't follow protocol at all. Whereas Chris Tucker was an outrageous dude who was sort of confined to the LAPD LAP, rules. Yeah. And so it was sort of Chris Tucker being like, you can't do that. And then Jackie Chan being like, you can't behave like that. And it was um, that back and forth. Whereas here it was just like, I'm a cop who follows the rules. I'm a cop who makes jokes and does action yeah. things. And it was like, that's not the relationship. Right. Mm-hmm. I do think also like, you have to be in the mood to watch like, kind of mindless action. Which I wow. do appreciate. I did. I do like watching that kind of thing. Here's what I'll say. And again, I sound so <laughs> negative and I, I, I respect You're all You're not the... even impressed by that high kick he did when in the terracotta statue scene. No, I think he's great. And I think I'm sure the work that everyone did, in, I, everyone put in a lot of great work in this. And I think the people that did this are probably great. Mm-hmm. It just feels like missing. Jackie Chan comes from the Hong Kong martial arts world, mm-hmm. which is more about choreography and pace and timing and rhythm than it's about action. And one of the biggest criticisms of American action is that we cut too much. And so what happens is there's some action thing. And when you throw a punch, if you're throwing a punch with your right hand, as the punch comes through in most like American action movies, they'll cut to a reaction shot of whoever's getting punched and they'll jump forward two frames. So the punch seems really fast. Oh yeah. Yeah. I did notice that. They'll cut around to something else that it feels like it's really fast. But the problem is, you lose all spatial awareness of where people are and what's going on, mm-hmm. and you lose all rhythm and pace that feels natural and fun. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like a uh, a visual story you can follow. Mm-hmm. And that was what Jackie Chan was famous for: is that he wouldn't have a bunch of cuts and edits. Is that he was part of that Hong Kong cinema martial arts movement that would have these long, beautiful choreographed takes. It's more like a dance than anything else. And this guy, I'm sure, is a great stunt guy but they edit in a way where it takes away all of his natural talent and turns it into these quick cuts that for the most part i can't follow and every now and then there was one or two moments where i was like oh that's good action 
for the most part, I was like, why are you? Yeah. This is the exact opposite of what Jackie Chan brought to America. Uh, did you watch Daredevil? Any of Daredevil? Yes, I watched Daredevil. Okay, because I, I started Daredevil. I watched like three episodes. And the only thing that really kept me into that show was the fight choreography and the action stuff, which I really enjoyed. Yes. Um, and yeah, I totally get what you're saying here because I feel like that had that. Daredevil uh, was exactly that. And it was a low budget show. So what they did is they relied on the performers being great performers. So all the fight sequences that are exactly that. It's these long shots where you see people actually fighting. And sure, it doesn't feel like superheroes. It feels like humans it fighting. It feels like real. Yeah, it really does feel like fighting. And exactly. I remember enjoying that and being like, oh, I mean the show aside and like the story or yeah. whatever the characters uh, you know that didn't re- necessarily do it for me that was the reason that i watched as as far as i did exactly so that makes sense now that you're saying that and like the stuff about cutting in here and and it's like this is action-packed but there is that but you're sense watching of, it through in the context of it's a cbs show right exactly and so there are certain things that there was more not blood than i thought there would be on cbs yeah well, I don't really watch a lot of CBS shows, but they're all like really, I mean, pretty dark. I mean, I'm trying to think of <laughs> examples of that, but CSI, I know that there's a lot of yeah. like, they have the CSI stuff. Yeah, CSI stuff. And that's all it's, rape and murder. I mean, and Survivor, blood, yeah. guts, and gore. Yeah, they love it. Je- Jeff Probst. <laughs> they're always cutting around his punches. <laughs> the prince of CBS. Yes. Uh, he owns the, he may as well own it by now <laughs> it's just so weird to me uh, doesn't it show you guys so weird that it's rush hour and the one thing rush hour and jackie chan is known for is these elaborate fanciful fight scenes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's the biggest thing missing from this is any joy in any of the action There's well nothing joyful or fun about it it's just literally the most the rote thing, the thing is they also have to find reasons for uh the action to not involve guns so that was because insane. you know you want to have hand-to-hand combat so uh, overall the plot of this is some terracotta warriors get stolen it, once they're transported to la so at one point in the episode they're among the terracotta warriors and they're like they won't shoot us we respect the terracotta warriors more than anything so then they all you know they can't use guns and they have to fight hand-to-hand I, and i was like Eh, that was a stretch, but you know what? I'll give it to them because they really had to figure out a way for them not to use guns. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I was going to say this is the most quietly racist thing I've seen in a while, but instead it's just I, it's the most loudly. It's just, it feels like, so the whole thing takes place with uh, Asian police force from China. China. China, yeah. Mm. They keep referring to them as Asian also, which is like, yeah, it's Asian multiple. people going, oh, you're Asian in a way that's like anyone that, you know that is Asian. Right. It's not referring to their friend. Oh, hi, like, you're Asian too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was the literal line in this. Oh my gosh, you're all Asian. Yeah. <laughs> oh my and gosh, then you're all Asian. It was like, hmm, what could an, an Asian police force be, be? What's the thing that needs to be shipped for them to be concerned? Ooh, terracotta warriors. <laughs> like to, well, to me, that, that's like if you watched a movie in China and they're like, we, uh, this American police force, they're shipping the Statue, Statue of, of Liberty. Liberty. Yeah, exactly. It's like, guys, it can be. Yeah. Like, but yeah. we all know what they are, and we all respect the terracotta warriors as three white people sitting around microphones right now. Isn't that true? <laughs> exactly. It was literally like, it fit, sounds like the first thing that in the room they were like, well, I don't know, what would, uh, what would Asian police want to protect? I don't know. There's just terracotta warriors. <laughs> Great Wall's too big. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like come on. 
Welcome to Los Angeles. Have we arrived late? I was told we would load the trucks, then call for police escort. You're all Asian. Chinese, actually. The thing that, to me, made me realize that we're in for something that I wasn't going to enjoy was there's a moment near the beginning, and this is sort of the case throughout the pilot, where a song starts playing. Oh, yeah. And that song is Uptown Funk. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and the line, yeah. they, the, line, the line they start on as every sizzle reel for a network, every commercial <laughs> for a network, every upfront <laughs> presentation for a network, every pilot yeah. intro for, is, don't believe me, just watch. <laughs> and it's like, Really? Yeah. Really? During a helicopter stunt. Really? Mm-hmm. That's where we're at. That's where yep. you guys are at. Uh, also, yeah. at this point, oh. that song is about three years old now. Like, I yeah. don't well, know. I don't know. Um, the In Rush Hour, there's a famous scene that they have where they're in the car and mm-hmm. like Chris Tucker's like dancing to whatever song it is. And then Jackie the Chan turns into like the Beach Boys or something. And then they go back and forth. And then Chris Tucker gets really mad. And he says, don't ever touch me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Pretty good joke, Chris Tucker. Uh, thank you. I couldn't form words, but I think I, I can do it. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> and there is a scene where they're driving. And I was like, they did that. I can tell that they shot that scene. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it was just, just so they cut it. good they cut at it. all. You know they cut it. Because I think they had too much plot to get through. They had it, so much plot to get through. This was like, I, I, I mean, I really think they, they wrote a movie and condensed it to 42 minutes. And not a great movie, but a movie nonetheless. My favorite scene in this was a scene that I think could have been really good, which is they go to a guy's uh, apartment to <laughs> to like get information out of him. And... Chris Tucker, or not Chris Tucker, the guy that, uh, you know, Chris Tucker character. He's like, "Uh, all I have worth anything in this apartment is this TV. And he's like, yeah, this TV. And he beats on the wall and the TV falls and crashes. And then, strangely, a minute later. Oh, the man reacts as if, oh, no, oh, God, no, no. Really upset. And then a minute later, uh, Lee is like. Do you recognize this symbol? And he gets out a huge sharpie. He pulls out like a fat poster a hu- sharpie. Yeah. And starts just writing on the wall. Honestly, I would watch a three minute scene of just those guys destroying his apartment. It would be funny. But there was such a like, missed opportunity Like raise the game, there. raise the stakes. Like <laughs> if you're going to tell a joke, keep telling it until it's, until it's like played out, you know? But it's right. almost as if they didn't even realize that that was a joke because there was no, no reaction there was a huge reaction from the from the man held hostage for the tv but there was zero reaction when the guy pulls out a magic marker and destroys mind. his wall he was gonna repaint anyway tomorrow <laughs> oh my god and that's the other thing is that rush hour was a comedy it was an action comedy mm-hmm. yeah this didn't have a laugh in it for me no uh I, if we're just talking about scenes that are bizarre uh-huh. mm-hmm. and often oftentimes what it feels like is exactly what we're discussing where it's like and I also point out, you mentioned it. It feels like they wrote a feature and then condensed it to a TV show. Evan, they didn't write a feature. <laughs> no. They stole a feature. <laughs> they bought a feature and condensed it to a TV show. So uh, there's the scene where they go to this the place in Chinatown that has the best noodles in town, which is like, again, just like, really? That's the first, that's the first thing you think, like, what would be notable about a place in Chinatown? Oh, I don't know. Great noodles. Nobody, nobody's arguing. Wouldn't, wouldn't you be like, no, but my place is better, right? <laughs> right. The noodle we, we, war. 
I, it just the whole, and also who would be like, let's get the best noodles in the city. If I was like, this is a restaurant, you got to go there. Let's get the best noodles. You're like you, noodles? Right. You do. Any, do you have anything else? <laughs> like what kind of noodles? Like what is, but everyone's fine with like the best. I don't know. It's a place that has the best noodles in the city. So they go into this restaurant and they go upstairs and immediately they're like, this isn't the place. This is the wrong place. And then I think this is a scene in Rush Hour where in the movie where Chris Tucker likes is trying to flirt with his waitress. And that's what, like, keeps them there for long enough for some action to take part. But in this, they had to, like, find a cheat for it. So they walk into this restaurant and, like, immediately, like, Leah's like, this isn't the place. Carter's like, but check out that booty. We have to stay. And he points to a waitress across <laughs> no, the no, restaurant. But did you realize that, that was the intel they got from the, the guy? Who, tip. The guy that they destroyed his apartment. His intel was, oh, yeah, they go to the noodle place and that lady has a fine ass. They said there are two things this restaurant's known for: the best noodles in the city and a smoking hot hostess. Okay. So they knew what so they the were intel looking was for. Good. That was actually professional, you know. <laughs> okay, that's uh, my my apology. In, yeah, but. <laughs> Beyond the intel just being a bizarre thing, mm-hmm. what I thought was bizarre about that was that he goes, check out that booty. And he points to a woman who is all the way across the restaurant in like mm-hmm. a dress. A geisha. Well, a, a geisha. geisha and like, a, like a kimono. Yeah. yeah. And a Inspired. geisha kimono. Just like kimono. Just like doing her job. And like it wasn't shot in a particular like sexy way. No, like, it wasn't like a slit up the side. It was just like. Like she's a very attractive woman, but like yeah. it's you're, not, like, you're not like. She's oh not wearing a God. g-string. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, <laughs> it's a like, full, full-on close-up of her ass. Like, <laughs> but I bet you could go to like any restaurant and like if you look, you there's find... someone bending over. <laughs> exactly. That's what it felt like. That's what it felt like. Was like, but like, oh, there's a there's a butt in this restaurant. It's like okay, like sure. noodles plus butt. Yeah, we found it. <laughs> we found it. This is it. I'm not sure. There are limited exits, few places to run from enemies. On the other hand, turn your attention to the booty over there. Note the booty, Lee. The booty is noted. Just let me handle this. Hey. Oh, and then, I mean, they do refer to the main uh, guy that plays Detective Lee as uh, an Asian Orlando Bloom. Which uh, the first time watching, Maya was like, "Oh yeah, he does kind of look like an well, Asian that's Orlando." Exactly. Once she said it, yeah, I mean, they, that was a, that was the only line they wrote after the casting was done. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're right. <laughs> They're like, "Oh, the, every, this everything works. Everything works except we're gonna just change this one line." Yeah. Yeah. I have uh, to. I have to check one thing. I uh, have a. <laughs> I have a suspicion, and I just want to see something. Give me a moment. Oh yeah. Famitsu. I'm John Boo. Please enjoy the movie Tekken on Blu-ray and That's DVD. what I thought. Yeah. He's doing a fake accent. Yeah, he's, he's doing a fake He's oh, like he's London accent. born. Oh yeah, 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 he's British. He's British. Yeah. He's doing Yeah. The main character John Boo. how he feels about that. Is doing an accent of like broken English that is like not good. Yeah, not good. Well, and that's the and and again, it comes back to the charm of Jackie Chan. Is like we all know you're not that great. Yeah. Like it's it's fun. It's it's fun because we know you're well, having fun yeah, speaking it's English. Charming. <laughs> it's charming. Yeah. Exactly. Because exactly. it's authentic. <laughs> exactly. It, they're the best noodles in town. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized something. Oh. The thing that this is missing the most. Which is the best part of every Jackie Chan movie? Is what? What's missing from this movie that is in every Jackie Chan movie? That is the the crux of a Jackie Chan film. 
the bloopers at the end. Oh, yes. Missed opportunity. There's no action bloopers. They didn't have any time because they had to fit the whole movie of Rush Hour <laughs> into this pilot. <laughs> They're like, we could. Uh, well, you know what, though? Maybe that. Maybe they, because uh, we have the screener, maybe that, that'll be the, the little tag after the final commercial break. Don't believe me, just watch. Bow! <laughs> just did it. The John Fu falling down a bunch. Yeah. <laughs> Breaking terracotta warriors. Uh, boy. Oh, that scene also. I'd like to point out that the lot you congratulated them on finding an excuse to not use guns <laughs> and to fight with their hands. But I would like to object and say that it didn't work for me. Okay. Because they all run down and it's a group of the bad guys and then Carter and Lee. And then Lee explains that the reason they're not going to shoot them is because they respect the terracotta figures too much. So they can only shoot, fight with their fists then. Mm-hmm. What then proceeds to happen is they all run into the terracotta warriors and start pushing them at each other <laughs> yeah, as that's true. weapons. <laughs> Just manhandling them. And then spoil- They were using them as a literal army. Yeah. <laughs> they thought they were alive. They thought they were real. And then spoiler alert for those of you who are on the edge of your seat for the finale is that the main bad guys hoisted upon the sword of one of the terracotta warriors and impaled by it. Also, wait, wait. terracotta warriors are made out of terracotta, not out of swords. It was a metal sword that this terracotta warrior was holding. Yeah, can we clarify this? I just this? realized I had that. no idea where that sword came from. Like, was it from the <laughs> statue or was it... I learned something new about Chinese art today. <laughs> yeah, is that when they were making the terracotta wars, and maybe this is true, but I like the idea that it was like, all right, so we're going to make the body and the head and the hands and the... Oh, God, we have to make swords. And I was like, we'll just use real swords. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just use real swords. We have real swords. Let's just give real swords. Yeah, that that too many real swords. A couple extra just... days of work. Let's just, you know, throw those on there. <laughs> and then what I like also is that all the, the rest of the terracotta words are, like, packaged in, like, boxes and boarded. And they uh-huh. have, like, mm-hmm. stuffing. But then they're like, no, the sword just going to hang out. It's going to stick out. <laughs> stick mm-hmm. out from the big the big frame. Like, whoever's shipping it is like, should we put bubble wrap on that? And they're like, no, we're not customizing no. this. Just put the f- thing in the box. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't order bubble wrap. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! I just uh, right now somewhere Jackie Chan is like on his couch in his apartment. <laughs> he's like, I guess I'll watch it. He's got like a glass of wine and he presses play and he sees this British actor doing a fake broken English and like these action scenes that aren't quite hitting the mark. And I'm sure he, I'm sure either a single tear. Mm-hmm. Or no tears because he has none left to cry mm-hmm. for the atrocities yeah. mm-hmm. that American culture has done to what he brought. <laughs> or he himself impales, <laughs> <laughs> impales himself on And somewhere uh, Chris Tucker is being like, hey, why didn't they call me for this? I would totally be willing. I'm available. That's a great point. That's right? Not, that's something I was going to say. Chris Tucker probably would have done it. <laughs> why not? Jackie Chan might have done it. Mm. He, he could Maybe. He's getting up there. Yeah, he's getting pretty. That's he's true. getting pretty up there. Yeah. yeah, you're right though. Yeah, he, why? Why would he do it? He's sitting somewhere with a really nice glass of wine, <laughs> yeah. just enjoying him, himself, enjoying the in, in decades ho- of amazing films he's made. <laughs> I do want to, after we record, just like show you guys some clips from Rush Hour, just so you can just see like back to back how different it is. No, I, I like, I, I ha I can conjure scenes and i'm like oh man they're hilarious i mean jackie chan is great and they're i mean it was 18 years ago so i mean yeah. you know you know what's crazy rush hour the movie is old enough that it could have given birth 
word a human it did. to rush out it in did. TV series. It did. Yeah. Except it's not living up to its potential, and uh, Rush Hour, the, the movie, is going to have to sit down with, with Rush Hour, the series, and have a serious talk about potential. Um, it, does, it feels like Rush Hour, the movie, maybe made a baby with like a daytime CBS soap opera, yep. and that was what we just watched. That's mm-hmm. exactly right. I think we've kind of already talked about it. JD, will you watch another one? No. I will do my best to try to forget what I have just seen. <laughs> Maya? I've said it, no. I'm I'm not interested. <clears throat> I'm going to watch two more. All right. Uh, and on that note, uh, <laughs> thank you, JD, so much for uh, being with us. And uh, anything you want to plug, promote? Uh, check out 12-Hour Day with JD and Connor. That's the podcast that me and Connor Ratliff do. Every episode is an unbroken 12-hour conversation. Right. Episode 11 will come out soon oh I'm yeah sure. okay i was just looking at those um things. check out the chris Gethard show we're in season two uh our first episode shoots on march 24th you can watch the live stream of that and it'll air on fusion on march 30th and then be on the internet a week after that and then cop show season three with colin quinn uh that should be out by the time you're listening to this so awesome. check that out on youtube or on l studios lexus's website cool thanks so much jd thank you guys pleasure. for having me thank you and uh good to see you old roommate Good to see you, too. All right. We are here with Michael Potts, uh, actor. You know him from many various Broadway and TV credits. Thanks so much for being here, My pleasure. Thank you for asking me. Uh, Michael was one of our teachers in college, and Maya and I still talk about he has the most impressive downward dog Uh, we've ever seen. (laughs) Ever. Ever. Oh, my God. Not anymore. (laughs) A lot of practice. I doubt that. Yeah, I haven't done yoga in a while either. Um, But thanks so much for being with us. Um, Can we start just kind of at the beginning? Like, give us a little uh, bit about yourself. Like, where are you from? And and how you got into acting? All right. Uh, uh, A long story short. Born in Brooklyn, New York. But uh, pretty much spent the formative years... Uh, basically nine months out of every year until about junior high school down in South Carolina with my maternal grandparents. So uh, I'm more country boy than, than than city boy. And I guess when you're down there, my family was very religious. Dad minister, mm-hmm. stepfather minister, everybody, my mother, deaconess, so many officiants in the church. So I couldn't escape it. And and I'm sure you've seen it anyway. Church is a form of theater anyway. Right. And so as a kid, I was always forced to perform in the various pageants mm. at uh, at church. There was a Christmas pageant. There was the Easter pageant mm-hmm. and any other pageant that they could think of. So the performing became, you know, began early. Mm-hmm. And if you have a really good minister, that's a form of theater. He's a performer as sure. well in front oh, of the yeah. congregation. Sure, sure. And if he and the choir in sync... It's it's, it's an amazing thing. Yeah, I remember yeah. as a kid getting goose pimples at mm-hmm. how good it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So initially thinking I was going to be a minister, but that led to a fascination with performance. Um, and in high school, even uh, in the South, I remember in junior high school, they would have a thing called uh, Shakespeare Festival. And the AP English teacher, Grady Locklear, who for some reason believed that he was the reincarnation of Shakespeare, (laughs) took it really, really seriously. And so I got to do it then. Um, And I remember doing that. But I guess the initial bug 
since I've jumped ahead a bit, the initial bug probably was seventh grade. <clears throat> Our English teacher, Mr. Carter, I guess didn't feel like teaching that day, and he showed us a film uh, of A Man for All Seasons. And I saw Paul Schofield. And it kind of gave me the same goose pebbles that I remember getting in church. Mm-hmm. And so I decided I wanted to be Paul Schofield. I was going to do that. So that's, that's yeah. when it initially happened, and I carried it for a while. Got out of high school, wanted to go into theater right away, and my mother staged an intervention and said, you will not do that. <laughs> uh, so to make her happy, uh, went to undergrad as a pre-med. Oh, I only did that for about two years. Mm-hmm. Um, the school Where I was, was in, that? this was at Columbia. Okay. At that time, they didn't have an undergraduate theater program. They had abolished it because it was too dangerous, too radical back in the 60s, <laughs> uh, 70s. So they got rid of it. So I became an English major. So okay. I just read Mm-hmm. read plays and every now and then I would take acting classes at the graduate school which did have acting classes not an acting no, program, program but acting classes so I took them there um, got out of undergrad and it really wasn't till I did a little spit in the military and it wasn't until I remember being in station Fort Sill, Oklahoma watching the Tonys uh, in my room because you don't tell anybody else in the army that you're actually. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing, Potts? Mm-hmm. Watching the Tony. <laughs> and that year, Fences was uh, was uh-huh. nominated, and they had that great scene when they used to do excerpts from the play. They had mm-hmm. that great scene between James Earl James Jones and Courtney Vance. Mm-hmm. <gasps> oh yeah, and that's when I decided I would do it. Yeah, uh-huh. cool. Uh-huh. And then you. Went to grad school at Went Yale. Went to grad school at Yale after that. Um, and you've been working ever since. I've been... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, let's, I mean, what was the, what would you consider like the breakout moment that you knew like, you decided to act, what was the role that you think was like, oh, I'm doing this and I'm actually doing this? Uh, was there a moment like that for you? You mean doing it like... Uh... Like oh I will I can have a career in this, you know what I mean, and make money and support myself. Uh, no, <laughs> I'm still waiting for that. <laughs> that moment of feeling like I'll have a career. I'm I'm always terrified. Yeah, that that's, that's the it. nature of that's the, the nature, nature of it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. But no, I've had I've had moments. I've had roles where I'm gone. Mm-hmm. I, I I look at it more of roles where I feel that I'm using all those muscles I was mm-hmm. trained mm-hmm. to use. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That I'm really doing stuff. I remember uh, Susan Laurie Parks doing the America play was a moment like that for me. Like, I'm acting. I'm yeah. using all of these muscles. I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that. It was Tony Kushner play, a role, you know, that he wrote for us. Yeah. Uh, when we did it at the Guthrie, and I'm like, yes, I can, mm-hmm. I can do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, the odd thing is, those are, it's not a lot. Yeah. I've done over a hundred different things, but it's funny that probably on one hand I can count <laughs> the Which, number of roles. Oh, that's yeah, that have that it's been that moment. It's mm-hmm. like, oh my goodness. I mean, just recently doing the city, 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 city center. Uh, use those articulators, Michael. Um, uh, Cabin in the sky. Was another okay. one of those moments for oh, nice. like a career highlight. Like, oh, and I had to look around. Like, Am I a lead in a musical? That's I'm great. A, I'm a lead in a musical. <laughs> there's Chuck Cooper. There's Norman Lewis. There's LaChance. You know. Yeah. But it's that. It's that. So it's moments like mm-hmm. that, yeah. not necessarily mm-hmm. where I feel like uh, 
<laughs> well, I mean, because it could say... be over it because you you know you have those moments. I've always had those moments. Like, okay, this is going well. Mm-hmm. This is this is going to happen. Things are yeah. and nothing happens. <laughs> you know, and nothing really happens. And mm-hmm. then you get another moment. Oh, mm-hmm. oh. you're lulled oh, into that sense yes. of security and everything. Yes, and I yeah. had that after you know the Book of Mormon then came True Detective. I'm going right. well, finally. Right. Yes, right. it's got some traction. With yeah. the, and then right. <laughs> well, I imagine also the wire was. The Wire started a little something, but again, The Wire was a show that nobody watched at the time. Well, it's so funny because, like, it's one of the most renowned TV shows now. Now it is. Now, you know. Like, where were you people? (laughs) Yeah. Well, we needed you. And you sort of play one of the most iconic characters on that show. I mean, anytime I'm like, oh, yeah, we're going to interview Michael Potts. He's Brother Mazzone. And people are like, Brother Mazzone, he's the best. Like, what a badass. It's the weirdest weirdest thing. I remember doing that and... and, uh, a role I never thought I would get. Yeah. Uh, well, I kind of, I kind of want to ask because that character specifically. I mean, there's a beautiful like stillness and like uh, a countenance, like a still countenance. Yeah. And just knowing you as a person, you kind of have that. I think almost like a ro- a feeling of royalty. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like, this is totally true. And I'm like, I'm like. Is that something that was written in as Brother Mazone, or is that just something that Michael's great at and, like, you brought that dimension to the character? <laughs> well, thank you for the compliment about royalty, I assure you. No, but there's something about <laughs> but, it, like, you know. No, I, I, a lot of what came from, that's why it's always important. It's always the play the thing. The play is the thing. It's It was so very well written. And a lot about uh, that I learned about Brother Mazone came in and... Uh, sort of what we were in play, in play we'd call stage directions or descriptors of the action. Yeah. You know, he he glances, he barely nods, he frowns. Uh-huh. So it was little things like that that the writers had put in that gave me a sense. And also from my observation of people from the Nation of Islam, uh, of how they present themselves to the world, that kind of brought that all together and, mm-hmm. and just the sardonic sense of humor that the character has mm-hmm. but you don't you're not yeah. supposed to see it coming and just it's a western sort of thing i mean yeah. the, the, the whole uh, there's an undercurrent of, of of western of the old american sort of western genre un, underneath all of the wire if you really pay yeah. attention to oh, it, I never even consider- yeah like totally that. big mm-hmm. fans of the western so you know so you look at lee van cleek <laughs> well, everyone's you know. got a gun, and that's and, it. <laughs> yeah, that's basically what it is. So it's some of that. So, mm-hmm. but again, it goes back to the whole thing of where I, I you know, we're all playing. Ooh, we're all playing versions of ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. for, it, 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 some parts of me, I'm sure right. that's <laughs> brother right, Mozart lives. Yeah, in some parts. <laughs> yeah. Do you find that now because like you know, not as many people watched it then. And then it had this sort of re- re- like re- resurgent, or yeah. you know, it's just like The Wire is known as one of the best shows yes. ever. And it's like, do you find that people like recognize you more now, or was Absolutely. there a moment that Absolutely. you were like, oh, this is the yeah, all the time now? <laughs> I often I can't get on the subways now. Hilarious. And it's largely it, it had more to do with the success of True Detective, sure, mm-hmm. than necessarily, and maybe more so the success of um, uh, oh my goodness. Why can't I remember that show Breaking Bad? 
that people started looking back because everything started to be started yeah. being compared to the mm-hmm. wire because yeah. mm-hmm. the wire sort of started the started like, long narrative yeah. drama um sort of thing but it was more because of true detective people do that and then be, they began to look back at what right. else they started looking you up they google yeah. you where did you yeah. guys shoot true detective i was kind of in new orleans oh you shot it there okay because i was like of course they shot most of it there but i didn't know if like all the of others... it okay all of it gotcha. every, every last bit of it was shot there my main question about true detective yes. too is you know michael you were sitting there staring at matthew mcconaughey for, yeah. were you there for every single scene that oh, yeah. you guys shot yeah Oh my gosh, yeah. you and Kate Hudson have probably looked at him more than any two people <laughs> in, or in, probably more than his wife. Like that that's that's a lot that's a lot of staring at McConaughey. Those were, they were, and those usually were, it's a good thing, but he just looks so terrible in that role. It was intense. It was really it was intense. Yeah. I bet. Yeah. It was really, really intense. Well, it was intense I mean, to watch, so I mean Yeah. yeah. Our days would be uh, um, we would have and it depended upon where we are and, uh, and what episodes we were doing. We would, we could have four to six hours with him, and then he leaves, and then Woody or or mm-hmm. the reverse would happen would come in for the next four or six mm-hmm. hours, mm-hmm. and we'd just be sitting there. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, Real eight hours, 12 hours, just over and over and over Which again. is kind of like the, a rarity in an acting job, just to be sitting so, on your butt for so long. So um, that that was another one of those great experiences. It truly was. And I, I, I had a just gained so much respect for both of them, Matthew and and Woody, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because I mean they're the movie stars, right? You know, and I and it, the way television is shot, mm-hmm. which I'm sure you understand, is you know they do the master and then they turn it around and mm-hmm. you know coverage on you, coverage mm-hmm. on everybody who's in the scene, and that that that's what eats up a lot of the time. And it it's very easy. The stars they could have left. Mm-hmm. It could have been a thing where once it was turned on us, yeah. they, yeah, didn't they didn't have to be there. there. They start. They didn't need right. to. They didn't need to be there at all, and they certainly didn't need to play it full out. Mm-hmm. But these guys, wow! I'm like, y'all really want to? Y'all acting <laughs> with me? Yeah. You know, you know, because I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. I'm going to try. But right. I was initially under the impression I would have to do it myself right. because yeah. they weren't. Yeah. But they were just so mm-hmm. in it. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember when I would do something, Matthew's eyes, he, he'd like look at me kind of sideways in character. Mm-hmm. And I would hear him mumbling, well, if he's going to do that. I mean, just working it out in his mm-hmm. head, mm-hmm. watching everything. No, not just watching what I would do. And Woody's the mm-hmm. same kind of. And so although it was four and six hours, really intense hours, there was such connection mm-hmm. when we did it, no matter um where the camera was, mm-hmm. it became a thing. We were actually yeah, just nothing stale there. in that yeah. moment. And even that, when we finally finished everything, I remember Matthew broke character finally at the end. He was like, that's it? I was like, yeah, we're done. He was like, wow, that was great, man. It's like, <laughs> it's like we were doing a little play. A little play. I said, yeah, I think we were doing a little play. <laughs> Coming from... You know, theater being your first love, being a stage actor. Did you expect that this would be the trajectory of your career, doing so much screen? Nope. No. Nope. If you had gone back to uh, Yale, uh, asked any of my classmates, mm-hmm. I would tell them, I said, I'm not going to be on. No. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going to be in television or mm-hmm. movies. It, was, it wasn't going to happen. I didn't see mm-hmm. anyone who looked like me. I wasn't tall enough. I wasn't pretty enough. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. It's like, I'm, you know, I'm putting all my, my, my chips on mm-hmm. on theater. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, this is a huge surprise to me. Mm-hmm. 
yeah. hugely surprised. Well, and you're from—I mean, if you're from New York, like this is the hub for theater, and yeah. you know, you grew yeah. up with that. That's yeah. I figured it would be theater. I mean, theater didn't turn out to be everything I expected or I wanted, um, but I was working. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I was going from job to job. Uh, making very little money but I was still but I was getting health coverage because I got the weeks <laughs> so I was getting health and pension and things like and things like that but no I never would have thought I'd be doing no never in a million years um how about well I want to ask also um about Book of Mormon sure because also that's such a I mean you've been in like some like cultural beasts mega hits right uh you were the Village, original village elder Mufala sings Hasa Diga Ibowai. Right? Ibowai. Ibowai. Sorry, I knew my pronunciation. Ibowai or Ibowai. Um, <laughs> did you, what was your experience working with uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone? <laughs> were they around? Like, this was the beginning of this. They business. were. And they were all three in a little room <laughs> off of the main rehearsal room and, you know, writing furiously and, and playing out the scenes and going, you know, and you'd walk by and you'd see them, you know, grabbing their heads or throwing yeah. things or acting it out or working it out in the little room. And then pages huh. would come into us uh, and we would get to, to play with it in rehearsal room. Mm-hmm. Um, and they would come in and look, you know, Trey would come in with a pained look on his face. And watch it, not judging <laughs> us, but feeling. judging himself. <laughs> not yeah, 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 not yeah. judging us, judging himself. Right, what right. he, had, you know, what they had written, uh, and Matt, very, very astute, watching everything and knowing exactly, you know, what needed to be changed and tone and things like. Such a great team, mm-hmm. you know, and Bobby, um, with the music uh-huh. and 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 the story. <laughs> Everyone thinks it's, it's Matt and Trey with a lot of these. <laughs> Oh, right. Blue lyrics, more no, that's Bobby. <laughs> that's, that's Bobby. Um, but they were. It was a new thing for them, so I, yeah. I think mm-hmm. they were kind of hands off, and 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 they're both incredibly shy human beings. Interesting, um, because you know South Park, they do it pretty much themselves. Yeah, in a room, sound booth, right, right, yeah, yeah, right, and they're right, writers, right. and so here they were now writing something, and now allowing someone else to. Uh, uh, to bring it to life. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think uh, it probably as theater makers were used to yeah. hands-on. Right. And they weren't as much that you've, you found? Or, we're learning. Or, or they, uh, probably were... behind the scenes, but not in the room yeah, 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 so yeah. much. Gotcha. And probably also making internal adjustments for themselves. Like, mm-hmm. oh, that's not how I would say it or do it. Uh-huh. <clears throat> but right. that's, well, that's the actor. Mm-hmm. And the actor has to figure mm-hmm. that out. So it, became, it was a big learning process, I think, on, on both sides for everyone. It turned out, turned yeah. out pretty well. I'd turned say. out pretty well, I'd yeah. say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I it will probably run forever. Uh, let's you know, hope <laughs> that would be nice. You gonna go back? No. <laughs> you don't. No, it's not my show anymore. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's it's all all the originals have left, um, and it belongs to a whole other generation mm-hmm. of uh, a performance now. I, I I think I went back in. A couple of months ago, just to see it, mm-hmm. see because stage management is still the same. So oh, I like okay. to say hello to them and other people who uh, who help take care of us. The musicians are the same. The uh, our dressers, uh, wardrobe people, hair people, they're still there. Wow! And there are a couple of original people still in the uh, one or two, like three, three maybe who were there when I was there. And so it was nice to kind of pop in, mm-hmm. and then I went to the back of the theater and watch the 
watch the first few minutes up until I, you know, Hasidiga through that and just realized, no, 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 it's not my show. And this is, this is theirs mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now. This is theirs. I couldn't imagine walking back into it. Mm. Yeah. yeah, too old for that, too. That's a lot. Eight shows a week. <laughs> oh, and, and high energy. High energy. High, high energy. <laughs> it's like, oh, God, really? <laughs> oh, boy. Do you, what, what do you got? Do you have anything on the horizon right now? What's well, the other, I just finished um, last week. Speaking of Good Wife, uh, uh, a pilot for CBS for the husband and wife creative team of The Good Wife. They're doing a new series for CBS oh, coming nice. this fall called Brain Dead. So I just finished shooting the pilot for that. Cool. Um, should be fun. Recurring? Should be fun. No, no, I'm, I'm, no, I'm done after that. <laughs> I'm done after the pilot. I won't tell you, but I'm because <laughs> they'll kill me. <laughs> I can't disclose anything. Yeah, it's but, right. but it's, but it'll, it'll, it'll be fun. I'm, 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 I'm kind of eager to see where they, where they take it after Great. the pilot. But they've already got their thirteen, oh, their nice. order for thirteen. Oh, episodes. nice. Great. That's the, that's the biggest yeah. challenge. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah. The order. and the ironic thing is. <laughs> is uh, Nikki James who played my daughter in uh, Book of Mormon is also my daughter in this dad what are running into you here again dad <laughs> she calls me Baba to this day <laughs> so she just calls me Baba <laughs> that's great um, who are some of your favorite people that you've ever like worked with uh, Alfred Molina oh yes yeah, probably yeah. One one of my favorite people, um, uh, Woody and Matthew. Mm-hmm. That's uh, great. Just such fun, great people. Um, Your career runs such a, a large gamut of multiple things. It's I mean, like, look at that. Yeah. Thank goodness. You've worked with a lot. I have. I've been. I've been very fortunate. Very, very, very fortunate. It's the thing that's kept me. I guess I don't have the sense to say I can't do it. I'm like, or I'll say I can't do it and try and just go ahead and try and do it anyway. <laughs> um, um, so yeah, I've, I've been fortunate to yeah. work with some really, really great, incredibly gifted people. Amazing. Uh, do you have anything else? No, I mean, any oh any uh, so you've got the the you did the pilot for what is it called the. Brain it's called Brain Dead. Brain Dead. Okay. Anything else coming up? This fall? No, I have no ideas. That, that question you asked yeah. at the very yeah. beginning, <laughs> the moment you feel you can do this. I have no. There's nothing. <laughs> and then tomorrow you'll go to an audition. There's and, and nothing. It may pop up. And... So this could be, that could be it. <laughs> this may be the end of it. Please, Guys, you're no, listening. This may be it. It may be over. No, America would be sad. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I, would be, I would be sad. Why, thank you. I love seeing I, you pop I up. I'm like, it's my Oh, yay. <laughs> I don't think America would be terrible. And then, I, and then I conjure the image of your downward dog. Oh. <laughs> and say, he taught me some really great acting lessons. <laughs> um, all right. Well, we, we have a little game. Oh, God. Okay. You ready? <laughs> sure, sure. Go ahead. So again, okay. So we're going to le- read three log lines of failed television pilots. <laughs> One is a real failed television pilot. Okay. And the other two we've Ooh. written. Okay. It's called uh, Crash Pilots is the name of the game. Okay. Yeah. No pressure. It's okay. really pressure. We actually like it better when people get it wrong. Okay. Because <laughs> then we're like, oh, we, oh, our log lines were good enough to like we, seem fair. Yeah. <laughs> See, hey, like, go, go pitch those yeah, things I know, in LA. I know. I'm just like, I'm going to just start a folder. <laughs> yes. I hope something comes out of this. All right. Um, all right. I'm going to start with, okay. This one is called Life with Cats. 
Uh, serial dater Maria Morgaglioni, played by Ali Landry, has been on every bad date possible. Not only does her single life and stressful job cause her grief, but there's always the constant commentary from her two caddy roommates, Whiskers and Mittens, voiced by Brian Dennehy and Sherry O'Terry. The Jim Henson Company and Comedy Central did not move forward after contract issues. So that one's called Life, with, life cats. with Cats. Okay. okay. Uh, the second one is called... <laughs> Stressed Eric. Eric Feeble is a man who strives to survive his divorce, angry boss, rival family, alien children, and drunken housekeeper. This failed animated pilot was adapted by NBC from a cult British show and starred Hank Azaria as the voice of Eric. And that one's called Stressed Eric. Mm hmm. Okay. Cheeseheads. Josh Rosenberg, played by Scott Foley, has always dreamt of taking over his dad's Wisconsin sports radio station. As director of programming, he deals daily with difficult hosts and eclectic listeners. Malin Ackerman also stars as the new head of the station who was brought in after his father's sudden retirement. It had three episodes on CBS. That was Cheeseheads. Okay. So we have Life with Cats, Stressed Eric, and Cheeseheads. Which one do you think is the real? I don't think it's Cheeseheads. Um... Life with Cats or Stressed Eric? Yeah, the animated one. The animated With Angus Area. <laughs> you really want to get this right. There is no prize. I think it's Stressed. <laughs> you, that's it. That's the real one. Yeah, that's the real one. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think they made because a... he's great at the voices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so, they made yeah. some. I think they made some. Uh, they some, did. And then I think it was, I don't know if it was on air, but they made a couple. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, so, yeah. he ain't hurting. No, 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 no <laughs> please. He's doing just fine. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I didn't hear him. But I would love, I would love nothing more to, than to hear Sherry O'Terry as a cat. That. And Brian Dennehy. And Brian Dennehy. But that sounds great, though. It does yeah. sound very good. I know. I, All right. I, 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 that's what I'm saying. It's between these two, because that one does sound really plausible. <laughs> Talking animals. Yeah, we yeah, love those. Love yeah. <laughs> so the other two, the fake ones, were written for two of our Kickstarter backers, Josh Rosenberg and Maria Margaglioni. There are your log lines. Thank you so much for your support. <laughs> we really appreciate it. Um, we try to do, you know, due diligence in, in, in creating the most rife with possibility. That one, yeah, that that one did. Life would catch. <laughs> I could see that. Uh, but thank you so much for My talking pleasure. to us. My pleasure. Thank you. Really it's great thank to you. see you. Thank you. Great to see you both. Uh, hopefully we'll see you on Brain Dead this... Oh, I guess we will see you. They You'll got see me. Up. You'll see me. Perfect. You'll right. see me on Brain Dead. All right. All right. Continue to success, guys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Don't believe me, just watch. I'll be... That's that episode. And... Uh, I guess um, we should mention that this show is in a little bit of a time machine. So when we recorded uh, a couple of the interviews there, um, a show we mentioned, the pilot Brain Dead that Michael Potts mentioned, uh, that he is on the pilot of, it's scheduled to premiere June 13th, not yeah. this fall. Great. Yeah. We don't have to wait as long. Great. Um, and uh, another update is we... Both wish that we could call Michael Potts Baba. Oh, he's such a joy. And I just might in the privacy of my own home because nobody can stop me. <laughs> <laughs> you can find all our social media links and information on pilotcopilots.com. That's all one word, no hyphen in there. And most importantly, don't forget to subscribe and review us on iTunes. 
And just so tell your friends, guys. Share an earbud, right? That's cute. <laughs> Pilot Co-Pilots is produced by Evan Watkins and Maya Boudreaux with music by Chris Ryan. Thanks for listening again, guys.